Hey coconuts, welcome back to Tuesday's weekly market updates. First up is the news that rocked us when Microsoft bought Activision. But to start off, we discuss interest rates as China cuts the odds to increase spending. And there is pressure from the US to have four more rate hikes. Such polar opposites, which makes for a great discussion. Stay tuned. TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8pm on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Hey, coconuts. Welcome back to our Tuesdays, or rather, or rather Wednesdays weekly market update <laughs> just for this week. <laughs> Sorry, we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Yes, we did. <laughs> um, and, you know, with, as always, we've got the cast here. So Rakesh. Anthony. And Jefferson. Welcome to the new week. We're all here for you this week on a one day late podcast, but, you know, better late than never. <laughs> this week, Good though, we have... those who wait, man. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Oh, well, got to love them Guinness ads. Anyways, uh, coming back into this, we're going to talk about one big topic here, which is China, I mean, interest rate, right? A bit more macroeconomics this week, as we did in the previous ones. Um, But maybe, Anthony, why don't you take us through what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, sure. Um, So, you know, I think you you foreshadowed it. It's just the macro... I mean, that, that's what's on everybody's lips, right? You have good news, you have bad news in the company, it doesn't matter. You're still going down thanks to macro. So we'll talk about that. Um, there's a right. bit of change in the well, situation, I guess, with China, right? So, so we'll, mm. we'll do China, we'll do a bit more in-depth into the mechanics of the US. And, but of course, you know, we are a stock market update. We want to talk about companies and well, because we are a day late, we have a bonus section just on Microsoft's takeover of Activision. Right. <laughs> that's that's juiciest. That's juicy. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think oh, so. I think it's boring. But yeah. No, I think it's boring. <laughs> cool, cool. All right. Why don't you, you know, Anthony, why don't you kick us off a little bit in uh in China? What's what's exactly happening there? Cool. So yeah, I mean, no, no, the last few months we have been talking about last few, yeah, last few weeks, last few months, last few episodes, we have just been talking again and again about the US Fed, how they are raising interest rates, you know quantitative tapering, oh, sorry, slowing quantitative easing, all of that. Well, China last week took a different approach and they cut interest rates, right? So, you know, it, it, they have just gone complete 180, partially, I think, because, well, they, I mean, think about China, think about the headline news over the past year. It's just been bad, right? It's the tech crackdown, it's crackdown on education, it's Evergrande, it's not allowing, you know, feminine men to be on air. <sighs> Everything's just bad. Mm. So they, they need something to boost their economy, in a sense, I guess. And Chinese New Year's coming up, that tends to be a bit of a slowdown. So yeah, better, well, better early than never. <laughs> and they decided to cut interest rates last week. Wow. All right. Um, Jeff, why don't you take us a little deeper here? What, what does that mean? Why, why is China so different from the rest of the world here? 
Well, I guess there's a couple of things for why the, there's a red card in the first place from China, right? So you see that there's an increased downward pressures on activity growth from Omicron outbreaks and property slowdown. Uh, local outbreaks of Omicron have affected multiple provinces and policies makers. Uh, reimpose strict control measures such as suspensions of intercity transportation and promotion of staying mm. put for the Chinese New Year holiday. And also, if you look at it from another point of view, is that you have the property activities in particularly uh, upstream activities such as land sales and new starts have continued to weaken in the months in uh, in the recent months in the aftermath of uh, Evergrande event and the previous property deleveraging efforts despite incremental property policy easing. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest thing is to avoid uh, credit, uh, a collapse in the credit growth, right? So mm. last year we see uh, Evergrande, Kaiser, uh, Huarong all, all, in the, uh, all at risk of having a credit default in that sense. And if you think about it, the, the China is a really good student uh, learning after its wonderful teacher, the US, with the life, the life case example of a credit default uh, crisis that happened in 2008, right? So last thing that China ever want is for such a situation to happen to them again. Um, yeah, so that's probably one of the few reasons for why the cut came about ahead uh, of the Fed uh, hike in March just to test the market reactions well before the Fed delivers any of the rate hike as well. Um, yeah, so I believe that China is uh, off to a roaring good start uh, of 2022. It's the year of the tiger. <laughs> yes, it is. It's the eye of the... Yeah. Okay, never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rising from so, the mat, right? Come back, yeah. sorry. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Je- Jeff and, and Anthony, maybe Anthony can answer this for me, right? It's It, it sounds as though that China is is actually an, almost a, a, a converse or co- completely inverse issue or current situation than the U.S. U.S., you know, uh, and we'll talk about it later, seems to be all about rate hikes and, and too much inflation. But it looks like China is not about it. Is this due to Evergrande? Is this, you know, as, as Jeff mentioned, how did that really play out in the market? And, and I think second part of that question is, you mentioned Chinese New Year and how things will slow down. If you could just maybe paint a bit of light there for us. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll let Jeff talk about Chinese New Year. Um, I think the, yeah. the the thing to me is that, well, you know, when, when we have been talking about US, we, we have been kind of assuming that it's good economic growth, but inflation is the issue and, and that's what they are geared to solve, right? Um, China has a slightly different problem in the sense that, mm. well, they, they have inflation, but it's not out of control. It is still within historical ranges. On the other hand, you know, economic growth in terms of GDP and all that, it's it's still increasing, so there's still growth, but the rate is slowing, right? And and it's slowing to the bottom of the range, which is bad given you know that, that comms are bad, right? We we are comparing to a year ago where the right. it's a recovering economy. So so we are not really back to pre COVID stage in that sense. And and mm. that's where I think, you know, we we are not even out of COVID. They are still recovering, but the recovery is really slowing. I think that that's, that's the genesis of this, right? They need to boost the recovery a bit and, and to push it up a bit. I mean, you can say it, it's all a 
problem of their own making if they only they did not lock people down so severely, if only they took Western vaccines or whatever, right? But the fact right. of the issue is there's a GDP problem and then they're just trying to fix that. Right, okay. Jeff, um, and, and I think that, that really explains it a little bit, right? A little bit in, in terms of, of covid that zero policy that they wanted, uh, together with with the Evergrande solution of of housing price actually decreasing, and and now um, I think Anthony was saying Chinese New Year. What, what's that got to do with with the uh, economy? Yeah, sure. So uh, on the back of the whole Chinese New Year uh, event that actually happened, um, I guess uh, like Anthony has put put forth the idea, right? The Chinese New Year it's a big thing for China, uh, Golden Week uh, sort of thing where they have a long holiday. So liquidity to them to manage uh, renminbi liquidity is essential. It has to be smooth such that the financial system can then uh, operate uh, comfortably. Um, given the fact that they mo- everyone is most likely to you know, uh, spend the holidays uh, back at their place of residence instead of having to go back home. I think um, one is that liquidity is is a concern for China, but not so much this year. Um, because if you if you look about it, uh, look look at it from a different point of view, is that um, having a a lower rate cut in that sense actually ease up the liquidity constraints that the the Chinese banks have been facing. So you talk about bank accept banker acceptance mm. and what's not, right? Mm. A lot of the different banks will be then be a lot more incentivized to have to bo- uh, borrow to like say your SMEs or uh, green technology and just you know innovation and what's not. Oh. Yep. I mean, kind of confused, but it's okay. I think I'll get there. We'll get there. I I think if if I can just try and and sum this up, right? So in China right now, because of what happened in Q3 and Q4, we have not seen the growth that China has expected its economy to grow at. It's still growing. I do. I I think I remember seeing Q4 figures, right? It's positive and it's still growing, but it's not growing at the rate that China wants to. And some of this could be. Uh, the zero COVID, right, where everybody was in lockdown, the Evergrande, the housing price deflation, all of these things that led to people not spending enough money in the economy. So what the Chinese want to do now is that before Chinese New Year, they want to open up the liquidity because, and this will allow people to spend, this will allow companies to borrow, to innovate, and to get effectively that growth that they are looking at, which is the 6 to 7%. Is that, would you, you know, Jeff, Anthony, would you say that that would be a very good uh, quick summary of, of where China is right now? Yeah, for sure. I think that that's a fantastic summary, uh, Rakesh. Um, I think one of the things to think about is that on the back of the whole uh, macro leverage uh, situation back in China in 2021, you essentially have macro leverage to fall by about 7.7%. And while it's not a huge number, I think there's a lot more room for monetary policy to take place in China. And it definitely came up at a time where, you know, uh, or before Chinese New Year, keeping the books clean and what's not. Um, yeah, so definitely would, would expect uh, more accommodative monetary policy and more expansionary fiscal policy as well. Um, of, and of course, moderate easing in the property policies in the long run from China, making sure that everything runs smoothly for the country and, you know, there's some form of healthy, creative destruction that uh, improve growth of the GDP as well. Yeah, I mean, I 
I mean, to, to be honest, I don't know what effect this will have on the Chinese economy. I mean, I, my impression hasn't been that they have lacked liquidity anyway, right? So, so adding mm. more liquidity in the market, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I, I don't know, right? Not, not close enough to, to the ground to, to know exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting at least to, to see how they are reacting. Yeah, definitely, right? Um, I think, you know what? Yeah, that's, that's, that's good for the China and all, but let's contrast this with the US, right? What, what do we think about the US uh, with all the four rate hikes and all of that? And yeah, definitely very contrasting views to the US, I would, I would think so. Um, yeah, but I've mentioned earlier on, I, I think that the whole PBOC uh, just trying to time it way ahead of uh, the Fed rates hike in March is basically just to test market reaction before, you know, the, the Fed uh, delivers any of this rate hike that they have already promised. And it also gives the PBOC some insights to, to understand how this whole FX flow will be like for renminbi uh, and Chinese assets that, that goes on in the market as well. And furthermore, it also implies for room for PBOC to ease further despite the US monetary policy tightening this year. So, Definitely, I think, exciting times ahead for all of us. So many views. Um, but I, I think let, let's zoom out a bit, right? Um, we, we, we keep talking about Fed and, and all that. But let, so, so mm. let, let's start from first principles, right? The, the Fed, what do they do? Well, they, they want to control inflation. That's one of their goals, yes. But it, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they also have other goals. They, they also want to achieve full employment. They also want you know, stable economic growth. You know, mm. all, all of these are are goals that they want to achieve, right? And to me, it just seems as if for now, we, we, the US has decent economic growth or good economic growth coming out of the recovery. They have good employment. In fact, they can't get people to, into jobs that are crap, which is great um, on a personal level. And, and now they have inflation, which is why all, all the talk is about inflation, right? The, the other two goals that they normally want to meet are, are kind of chugging along and, and they're just you know, concentrating on this one. So, you know, that, that's, that to me seems to be something that, is, that they're trying to achieve. And I think uh, another, well, maybe it's a conspiracy theorist part of me, but another part goes, well, you know, it's, it's the midterms coming up. Inflation is a big topic on, on people's minds. It obviously affects everybody in, in the US. You know, and, and that's not popular yeah. because rising prices are never popular, which is why we don't get GSD hikes in the election years. And, and yeah, that, that is, <laughs> that, that, that's oh, maybe also part of the concern. I don't know. But to, to me, that's the big picture, right? That's what the Fed's trying to achieve. And then that's why we keep talking about inflation. Is, there, is that roughly correct? Is there anything else that um, you think we should add or, or mm. people should know about? No, no, I think you're, you're right. Absolutely right. So I, I think the nominal GDP growth for quarter four is likely to approach 15%. You, like you mentioned, US economy is near full employment. Um, the core inflation is running at two times its, its target. Um, so, so with everything that is, is said, right, so why exactly is the Fed still trying to do a more aggressive uh, quantitative mm -hmm. tightening policy? To, to me, I totally understand that a 7% headline inflation is unlikely to last for a very long time. Um, and that's it, given that the inflation is, a, is partly a product of human expectations as well. And given that we have spent the, the past seven months uh, with CPI printing over 5%, it's, it's kind of getting a little hard to not wonder how much time we will spend in the below 7% but still above 2% yep. band, right? 
and that's that's the that's one of the things that uh, has become ha, has been on the mind of a lot of Americans mm-hmm. as well, with inflation being a key political issue. So, like you mentioned, on the back of the whole uh, Joe Biden re-election and what's not right, um, I, I think that they, there's going to be a lot of focus from the Biden administration to, you know, put forth plans, uh, pushing, pressurizing the Fed to, you know, go forth with their plans for the rate hikes as well. Right. And essentially, that that's something that is, is going on right now. And the markets has already been pricing slightly more than six rate hikes as well. Wait, it's, yeah, it's six now? Of or, course, inflation. Or, or I, I thought it was three to four. Yeah, yeah it's... It's six tonight. It's six. Uh, markets is pricing six in the forex oh, oh, space. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, for up to end of twenty twenty three, right? So, so it's not just twenty twenty two. Three. Yes, you're right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There goes my stocks. We'll get to that uh, in a second. What, what, yeah, they are dead. So, no. What was dead will never die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our listeners, so of course, you know, at the end of the segment, obviously, what, what, how does this apply to each of our portfolios? That's what we're going to be talking about as well. But I think it's, it's great to just find out a bit more, right? And Anthony, I think you brought up a good point. You mentioned that the U.S. is looking at full employment. They're looking at managing wages. They're looking at managing costs so that everybody's, you know, day-to-day living is, isn't in shambles, let's put it that way. But <laughs> as, as, <laughs> as, as you rightly mentioned, their priority right now is very much inflation, isn't it? Seems like it. Seems like it. And, and you can't, yeah, you can't really like look at all three different things and say, I want to solve all three at once. They effectively have to take priorities onto each one because one causes a, an effect on the other. Would you say so? I, I think so. I, I think that there's some inherent tension between the goals, right? Because... You know, if your economy is going on gangbusters, um, you have full employment. Think if things are rosy, well, people raise prices, and that's inflation. You know, so mm. so I mean, and, and that's well, demand side inflation. So so I think that there's always a tension between yes. the goals, and well, it just so happens that we are in a stage where the other two are doing fine, right? If the other two were not doing fine, I think we'll be in a, in a lot more trouble. Right, right, yes, definitely. And and Jeff, I think you mentioned, you know, the CPI printing 7%. Don't really know what that means. But uh, something I did catch on was that you mentioned that the uh, there was a strength of the labor market. Um, so effectively, you're mentioning that wages actually did go up then. Is that right? Yep, yep. So um, to, to, to be fair, wages did go up for the lower paid uh, workers. And these inflation dynamics combined with the strength of the labor market in the US basically make the case even more compa- uh, compelling for the Fed to, to tighten Race financial rates. conditions as well. Yep. And okay. in, historically, you, you usually see um, signaling itself to raise or lower rates will tighten financial conditions, but it hasn't been the case. So it's been troubling the Fed for for a long while. And Mm. that's probably one of the reasons why they are so so focused on having to tighten um, their monetary policy in in that sense and going for a more aggressive uh, quantitative tightening program. but I think, interestingly, back to the, to the space of equities, but regardless of the level of int- uh, interest rates, equity typically react poorly to sharp changes in interest rate environments. So the past week has really been no exception as well. Um, whenever uh, equity prices 
decline oh, sorry, or rather when, when interest rate rose by two standard deviation or more then you start seeing equity prices decline mm -hmm. and it, it has always been the case and it's, it's just normal in the short in the short term so whether or not uh, equity will start popping in the in the long run do, doing a lot better is, is yet to be seen but definitely they have to, we have to take cue from the Fed as well okay cool um, sorry, so I, I, I want to get to equities and, and I know we, we all do, but one last question on, on inflation, right? <laughs> well, I, I think we, we have been talking about all of these as demand-side um, inflation, essentially. It's just a growth in demand, um, maybe a bit of a wage price spiral that, that's leading to it. But you know, to, to what, what effect does the, the supply chain shortage and, and all of that help? Uh, sorry, how all of that affect? Because that, that seems to be supply side, right? You know, earlier, sorry, late last year, we had those things about lumber, we had you know, crazy increases in gas prices. And, and those are more supply chain issues that, that cause inflation. So I'm wondering, does that, is that part of the impact? And really, what, the, what can the Fed do to deal with supply side inflation if it turns out that it's supply driven rather than demand? Right, right. Yeah, I think that's a good question. Uh, so one of the things to, to think about is that the Fed only cares uh, mostly about their own domestic inflation uh, because it's an economic leader where the world basically takes cues from. It's, it's really unlike the, the rest of the developed markets, uh, central banks, right? So whatever global inflation uh, there is from, say, your supply shocks, um, it, it's not so much of a concern to the Fed unless there's really trickling a huge trickling effect on the US says like there's an right. oil crisis or uh, like the Suez Canal uh, where the goods <laughs> cannot go through and stuff like that yeah so those those are things that uh, the Fed can can then you know do something about uh, by using the monetary policy okay. but more often than not it's always more about their own domestic Demand. inflation itself yeah okay okay cool clear so then Sorry, Anthony, you have one more question. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say that, look, this really just seems to be a, a case where you know, usually the Fed can, can say what they want to do and that scares people enough into, them, into doing things that they want so the Fed doesn't actually have to do anything. And now that they are being called to take action, it just never seems to be enough, right? Um, we were, I think, in November or, or even December last year talking about, oh, yeah, you know, it's going to be three rate hikes in 2022. That's dangerous. That's scary. And we are barely a month into 2022. And, and oh, it's now four or five. And some, and I think what JPM, Jamie Demon said, oh, yeah, you should have seven rate hikes in, in 2022 just to, you know, scare everybody. So I think, look, the, <laughs> I think that, that's what passes for a huge rate of change in, in the macro world, right? 0.25% is very important. Mm -hmm. and, and actually doing things is also very mm -hmm. important. So, so that, that's maybe, I guess, a bit of context. Yeah, I, I think a, a little tidbit uh, where we where we can slowly move into equities for for, for the sake of Anthony. Thank you right? very much. <laughs> then you can think about <laughs> and like, for me uh, and for me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and Rakesh, of course. Yeah, so we have like cyclical stocks that actually been uh, generally outperform ahead of the start uh, of the last few Fed hiking cycles. So that's good news as well for people that are holding on to cyclical stocks. And if you look at, say, value equities, then they generally uh, outperform around the start of the recent hiking cycle as well. So th that's uh, something interesting to, to think about. And stocks with quality, uh, says like you have attributes with strong balance sheets, uh, high returns All on capital, quality, they bro. tend to... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So they, they that's they what everyone says. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you why they are bleeding now. <laughs> so, so they tend to lag before the first few heights, but outperform in the months afterwards. So yeah, so you you should expect your portfolio to be in green once you know Powell decides to do its first first couple of heights in 2022. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, right. So, yeah, I think it's just stay the course, still DCA, <laughs> pay come in, money go out, go into the market. Then we'll we'll see how in in June or July, I guess. See what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> cool yeah i think you know as, as for me as well i'm i'm obviously quite worried um right of course we're trying to take emotions out of the matter but the truth is we're humans emotions drive our our decisions and it's it's very very easy for me to press sell <laughs> and just stop loss but you know I'm, I'm praying that i don't do that i i do believe that if I hold, I do believe in the quality of my stocks, right? Growth stocks, decent fundamentals, revenue never higher. And this is just market sentiment. And I think for those listening, right? Uh, I think one of the questions that I have personally, uh, Jeff and Anthony, is with the US shrinking or not really shrinking, but increasing rate hikes, really focusing on, on, on inflation and, and focusing on that. We have China on the other side of the world going, hey, give me money. I'm going to increase our GDP, which should increase my stocks, which increases more loans for the companies that could innovate new things and develop new things and make more money. So come put money in me. At least that's what I'm seeing from our decisions and, and from what China is doing and the US is doing. Would you would you advise that? Would you, what would you say? Not, uh, not financial advice, right? Disclaimer, well, disclaimer. I, not financial uh, advice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yep, yes, yep. not financial <laughs> Um, well, I'm 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 bullish on China for sure because of the 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 different innovation policies that they have put out for uh, the people to you know for for the people the SMEs itself to come on board with, with the with China and look at AI is basically ticked off uh, so much faster in China than the rest of the world. Um, you you can even compare to US, mm. right? Um, so for myself, I mm. think that it, this whole this this whole monetary policy thing is is just you know it's just a way for them for Chinese the the China government to pave with ways for more creative destruction for more innovation to come forth, and that's a good thing in my opinion. Yep. yep. Uh, Anthony, any take? Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm also. Bullish in China, maybe not as much as you, or not not as as much as Reggie, but <laughs> definitely not as much as Reggie, right? But um, I'm definitely bullish on China. <laughs> I, I think the, the the concern I have, well, that there's twofold. One is, you know, sorry, I'm a very big fan of their economic policies. You know, they want to redistribute wealth, they want to make things more equal. Fantastic, right? That that's the left wingers dream um, but at the end of the day, you know, yes, they can have more innovation. They they have a huge market, they are able to grow. So what, right? You, you, they are not going to let people make um, super normal profits. There's still all that regulatory overhang that can take it away and, and all of that. So I think if you want to be in China, that, that's good. I think you should be in China, right? They're, they're the second largest economy in the world. They're, they're, their economic growth is going to be great. I'm just not too sure how that will translate into equity price growth, right? Because, I mean, they, they have been growing, what, Eight, nine, ten percent on average for the past 10, 15 years. If you were in their equity market yeah. from the very beginning, you wouldn't have done that fantastically, to be honest. You would have done much better in the US, despite their slowing economic growth. So, you know, I think that's that's right. really the, the risk, right? There, there are other risks. I mean, 
as much as the stock market is a proxy for economic growth and GDP, that there is also a it's it's just a proxy. It's imperfect. There there are also other risks that that need to be dealt with when um dealing in China, when investing in China. Cool. Awesome. Uh, thanks for that, guys. I think your listeners will be real helpful uh, just to see where they go, what to do. But of course, please do your research. We do not give financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And of course, lastly, one topic that we have to talk about because of this delayed telecast <laughs> until the recording is Microsoft and Xbox's purchase of, of Activision and, and Blizzard, right? What was, the, what was the cost again? 68 billion US? 75, 75. Headline figure seventy. Oh wow! Okay, seventy. So it's a nice round number. Yes, billion. <laughs> and nevertheless, it was what it was uh, debt over ten years, over five years. No, I, I think you, if it's M and A, you you pay cash. Literally, you pay cash. You you might get some financing <laughs> I, at the back end. You know, try to leverage. But but you are going to you are it is literally a seventy five billion dollar bank transfer on closing date to to the other side. <laughs> Well, you are the bank at this point in time, yeah. aren't you? No, like, but, I mean, but I mean, look, in, in deals like this, people will still quibble. Oh, I got charged $100 transfer fees by the bank. Who should pay for that? Right. And, and you go, <laughs> you, come on. Yeah, let's dive down a little deeper. Right? Why do you think they bought this, uh, Anthony? What was the reason behind all of this? Yeah. I mean, okay, so so let, let's take a step back, right? $75 billion is, is a huge deal. It, it's actually the biggest acquisition ever by Microsoft. So, so their last big one was LinkedIn, hmm. 2016, so five, six years ago, mere 26 billion. So yep. oh, it, this is mere, mere, mere 26 mere. billion, right? <laughs> this, this is two, two, two and a bit times that. And, and this really catapults Microsoft up, right? So, so after this acquisition, they, they will hmm. be considered the third largest gaming company in revenue. They'll be behind Sony, behind Tencent, which are both great companies, but you know, that's Microsoft. And, and besides, besides, I mean, Sony is a gaming company, fine, right? But Microsoft has a huge B2B business as well. So, so it's really cementing them as one of the Absolutely. largest companies ever, right? And on the deal details, there's just one last small fine print, which I like, which is that you know, the deal is expected to close latest by, oh, sorry, late earliest July 2023. So, so there's at least six more months to go all the way Wait, sorry, we're in 2022. Six months, you mean yeah, one year? Sorry, latest by July 2022. Yeah, one year, so, six so months. There's still up to 18 months to go, right? So, so there is some deal uncertainty oh. there, um, probably due to antitrust because it's a huge acquisition and because nobody likes big tech now and people tend to forget that Microsoft is part of big tech, right? So, so, so there, there is some deal uncertainty, right? Which, which we, we can talk a bit about later as well. So to, to me, this is well, kind of sneaky right because the the, the whole mm. like we think about microsoft gaming yes it's the xbox and the xboxes and, and the various series but a, a big part of their push recently has been to cloud gaming right which is essentially you can play the same game anywhere whether it's on your laptop whether it's on your mobile phone or, or whether it's on your your you know gaming pc xbox right? and, and your xbox and your 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 saves are linked mm. you know that it's, it's all in the cloud and guess what? They also sell Azure, right? So, so it, it's driving utilization of the cloud, um, and and it's making and you know if they can get cloud gaming to work, <clears throat> they are going to effectively you know boost their share of the cloud market by by quite a bit because gaming is a huge market generally and it's going to you know consume lots of data. Also, so Microsoft's learning all the all the web two tricks, right? You know, so so they are, they have that flywheel going. 
Other than that, you know, they thought, oh, well, I mean, this game streaming sounds a bit like TV. And guess who does TV streaming really well? Netflix, right? So, so they, they have a subscription pass um, called the Xbox Pass. Essentially, it's 25 yep. bucks a month. You can play all the games on it free, right? So you don't need to buy FIFA every year and get conned every year. You, you just pay 25 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and and you, you can play all, all the versions of FIFA that you want and other games, right? So so you know, and, and what, what was the challenge Netflix faced in the last few years? It's it's been about content building, right? It's been a content arms war for Netflix, for all the TV streamers. And and to me, this is just the same battle playing out again. It's Microsoft well going, well, cloud gaming is the future. I like this business model. I have a I can get a flywheel going. I'm just gonna get IP and this just and the Activision just happens to be one of the largest IP, you know, historical backlog IPs that's, that's available. Right? I mean, that, that's EA, that's Ubisoft, wow. and Ubisoft, there, there's a few others, but they, they are one of the yes. biggest. Yeah. I mean, look at it. Imagine World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a bit of back. Yeah, World of Warcraft and Candy Crush, <laughs> right? Like, how? Yeah. Um, a bit of backtrack. I was actually, I think, one of the first few to sign up for Xbox yeah. Pass. So back when I had an Xbox, I have a PlayStation now. Yes, uh, Sony all the way. Um, but <laughs> um, and and I actually played. Mistakes were made when I bought Xbox. I will completely agree with this, right? <laughs> and I remember paying one dollar for Red Dead Redemption, and for thirty days, that was amazing, right? Because they allowed you a trial of one dollar for Xbox mm-hmm. Pass, and they had a whole ton of games, and I did literally played Red Dead Redemption two which just launched and that was like their thing. Yeah. Sign up for, for Xbox Pass and, and play Red Dead. And got played it for a dollar. <laughs> like, that was awesome. <laughs> I then did not pay $25 a month, I have to say. But um, I think it's, it's, it's interesting, right? And that was their shift towards cloud mm-hmm. gaming. And we can see that across multiple companies, right? So obviously now Microsoft is looking at it in Xbox. We have EA that has Game Pass. I think that's what they call it. Yep. Um, that where you can play all their EA games and get discounts if you want to buy their games and all of them things. And I think that this is a, is a really interesting way. The only problem that I have though, right, and, and again, I don't have much research but except my own experience here, is that cloud gaming means cross-platform. Yeah. And from experience, cross-platform gives an edge to someone. Yep. Some, some platform. So for example, if you are playing Call of Duty across Xbox, PC, mobile, the person with a mouse is going to beat you. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, <laughs> right? You want a joystick across or you want to, you know, scroll, scroll across or you got a mouse. And, and how would, you, how would you, you folks, right, gamers here as well, feel about, about this? And do you really think this cloud gaming will, will take off? I, I mean, to be honest, cloud gaming is, is really in its very, very early stages, right? Um, everybody, well, not everybody, well, at, least, at the very least, Google has been trying to get into that as well. So, so they also had Google Cloud Games, which mm. well, flopped massively, and, and I think they have shuttered it. But yeah, it, it's something that has that is seen a bit as the next big market. Um, you, you rightly point out there are a lot of challenges. Part of them technological. I mean, we can't even record a podcast properly. So, so I, I can't imagine you know streaming, <laughs> streaming games through the cloud um, properly, right? But at the, at the end of the day, this is a play for hopefully what is a big you know future market, right? It, it, it's early days. Maybe cloud gaming. In, in future moves to the blockchain and we have, you know, GameFi and all that, right? That, 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 that's another evolution of gaming that 
isn't entirely different in that sense. So, so I think that there's a lot of roots of advancement. Um, Microsoft is focused on the cloud gaming. They, they have a bit of the metaverse, although I don't quite know how that links to crypto. At this stage, probably not. Their concept, right. their concept is just slightly different. And, and of course, we have like XC Infinity and, and all that, which is blockchain games, and, and they are also completely different. So, so I think there's multiple routes to choose, and we don't know what the future will be. But, but this is optionality, right? And it's amazing that in, I think they're about a two, two trillion market cap company now, optionality to them is a, a, a Microsoft, 70, yeah, right. Microsoft a two trillion dollar company. You know, optionality to them is a $75 billion bet, right? That's what, 3%. That, that's okay. That's not too bad. Right. It, it's one year free cash flow, right? Ah, whatever. It, it, that, you know, mind-boggling <laughs> sums, but in context of their size, I think, yeah, th- this is really a bet. Awesome. And, you know, what I think is, and, and the last question that I have for, for, for us here tonight is, what about the, our listeners, right? The coconuts out there. Should we buy Activision? Should we buy Microsoft? Like, because there is still some uncertainty in... Uh, in, in the deal, yeah. right? Because nothing will happen until what June, June, July, twenty twenty three. Is this an is this an opportunity for us to buy Activision? Is this an opportunity for us to buy Microsoft? Where where do we play this? Oh, okay. I mean, I'll start. Right, I have Microsoft shares, um, quite a bit of them. To to me, this is. Oh, well, someone's happy. No, no. I mean, uh, li- literally, <laughs> as uh, as a shareholder of Microsoft, from from that perspective, this is a nothing burger, right? You are not in Microsoft for mm. for gaming. Again, it's it's an option. You know, if we talk about like growth companies assessing them, this is just an option, right? Um, it, it's a bet that is decently sized, um, given their market cap and, and their cash and all that. But it's not huge. You know, they they're not betting the farm. It it's not their shift to Azure, right? Where where they really were betting the farm, and if it failed. Microsoft wouldn't be where it is today. So uh, I'm, I'm not that fast, to be honest. Um, I, I was looking at Activision. I think they closed at about 82, 83. Yeah, 82 um, last night, uh, this morning. Mm. And no, that, that's a nice gap to, to the acquisition price, right? It's about 12, 15%. So if you think that, again, not financial advice, but if you think that, oh yeah, you know, I'm right, that there's very little anti-competitive conduct, it will likely pass through without a hitch, buy, right? Then, then in 18 months time, you get that, that 12, 13, 14, 15% return, which, is, which isn't bad, right? It, it's, a lot of it's de-risked. You know you'll hit that price a year and a half later. It's just the, the process that might get a bit problematic, right? And, and at the end of the day, Activision itself is a company with problems. Um, I'm not quite sure if you guys read that there was this whole range of sexual harassment claims, so I think, what, 20, yep. 30, 40 people got fired for, for goodness knows what reason. We covered it in our market updates, remember? Sorry? Did we? We covered it in our market updates. Yeah, Last we did. Before we did. I was here, so <laughs> not, not non-existent. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but that's exactly it, right? The $95 is a 45% premium of the pre-announcement price. That, that's insane, you know? Mm. So... If it fails, your downside is also quite high. And, and that's the risk that you, you have to be sure that the deal will close. And I don't know how anybody, even the deal lawyers, will have certainty that deal will close. So, so it, it's a bet. Cool. Yeah, thanks, Anthony, for, for, for that update. And you, know, you listeners out there, you of course, do your research. You see that upside. You see that risk. So please make your own judgments and and get on with it, um, and and you know I think that <laughs> that's roughly from us uh, in our delayed telecast tonight. Uh, we hope that you you enjoyed it. 
please let us know if you have any further questions at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks cool. again, and we'll see you all next all week. Right, see you Bye. guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh, and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.